Jesus told us as his followers that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We have been chosen by God out of this world by his grace through our response of faith and trust in Christ Jesus. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for the Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. As followers of Jesus, we get the privilege of living for Jesus in a world opposed to Jesus. The Christian life is not always the easy life or the popular life, but it is always the best life, the blessed life, and the exciting life. Our faith walk with God is exciting. It's exciting to watch God answer prayers, change lives, heal hurts, restore relationships. It's exciting to watch God do his work in us, for us, through us, and around us. God's work in us is always in accordance with his good purpose for us. So instead of saying, no, God, no, we can always say, go, God, go. So we're going to have another opportunity to do that this morning. I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Psalm 143. Now, as you turn to Psalm 143, you may be thinking to yourself, wait a second, didn't you preach from this psalm last Sunday? And you would be right if that was going through your mind. God uh, decided that we are not finished with this psalm just yet. And so we're going to look back into this psalm once again this morning. As we all know, God's plans are not always our plans. This is reason for us to rejoice because God's plans for us are much better than our plans for us. So I'm excited to hear what God has to say to us through his word once again this morning. David the psalmist wrote, beginning in Psalm 143, in verse 1, Lord, hear my prayer. In your faithfulness, listen to my plea. And in your righteousness, answer me. Do not bring your servant into judgment, for no one alive is righteous in your sight. For the enemy has pursued me, crushing me to the ground, making me live in darkness like those long dead. My spirit is weak within me. My heart is overcome with dismay. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all you have done. I reflect on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. I am like a parched land before you. Answer me quickly, Lord. My spirit fails. Don't hide your face from me or I'll be like those going down to the pit. Let me experience your faithful love in the morning for I trust in you. Reveal to me the way I should go because I appeal to you. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord. I come to you for protection. Teach me to do your will for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, Lord, let me live. In your righteousness, deliver me from trouble. And in your faithful love, destroy my enemies. Wipe out all those who attack me, for I am your servant. The Christian life, we know our faith walk with God, includes blessings and burdens. David understood this. We understand this. In this psalm, David is burdened by a trial he is facing. And as we learned last Sunday, 
When we are burdened by the trials in our lives, when our hearts are heavy burdened, we have the blessing of prayer. Prayer reminds us of God's presence. Prayer protects us with God's peace. Prayer arms us with God's power. Prayer focuses us on God's plan. Prayer is our continual conversation with God. The good news of the gospel reminds us that we receive forgiveness of sins and enter into a relationship with God by God's grace through our faith and trust in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection for our salvation. We get to walk with God day by day, and as we walk with God, we get to talk with God. So within this psalm of prayer, and this entire psalm is a cry from the heart of David to God, I want us to focus on one prayer in this psalm of prayer. It's the prayer we see and we read in verse 10. David wrote in verse 10, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me on level ground. Let's read that together out loud. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me on level ground. This is a fantastic prayer for us to pray every day. And I want to highlight two requests in this prayer within the prayer in Psalm 143. Two requests that I think is vitally important for you and I to pray today and every day. The first request David shared here in verse 10 is, teach me God. He said, teach me God. David turned to God in his trials and troubles. David knew God's will for him was best. David knew he needed God's help to know God's will. David prayed, teach me God to do your will. We need to pray, teach me God. There's no one better to teach us than God. There is nothing better for us to know than God's will. God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect for us. God's will is found in God's word. God's will is our sanctification. As Paul shared with us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, God wants us to grow in our faith in Jesus so that we can become more like Jesus. God's will at times includes trials and sufferings for you and me. As we trust God in our trials, God matures our faith through our trials. And so it's important for you and I, as we look at this psalm once again this morning, to pray today, to pray each day, Lord God, teach me to do your will. The second request is lead me, God. Lead me, God indicates our readiness to obey God. David prayed, teach me, God, to do your will. Lead me, God, on level ground. Lead me, God, to do your will. We need to pray, lead me, God, as well. Lead me, God, indicates our readiness to obey God. God, teach me to do your will. God, lead me on level ground. God, lead me to do your will. Now, the beautiful thing about this prayer in verse 10 is God teaches and leads us by his Holy Spirit in us. That's why David said, may your gracious spirit lead me. God teaches us 
to do his will by his spirit in us. God leads us on level ground so that we can do his will by his Holy Spirit in us. God is teaching and leading us as a church family. God is doing his work in our church family in amazing ways. God is blessing our church family in amazing ways. God is adding to our church family week after week. God is deepening our love for Jesus. God is expanding our witness for Jesus. God is growing us in our faith in Jesus. God is strengthening our unity in Jesus. To God be the glory for the great things he has done, is doing, and he's yet to do. However, we also know as followers of Jesus, that spiritual warfare is real. You know this, and I know this, as followers of Jesus. Satan, our enemy, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for someone, any of us, that he can devour. Satan is constantly trying to lure us away from God, his word, his people, and his praise. Satan doesn't want us to walk in obedience to God. Satan does not want us to experience the blessings of God. He doesn't want us to be effective witnesses for God. And so he continually comes at us in his work against us all the time, every day, throughout the day, throughout each week, after week, after week. And one area where he is having success with us as a church family is in our giving to God. This is an area where our enemy is having success against us. Currently, we are $129,838 behind in our budget giving this year. It's my responsibility to call us to obey God. It's my responsibility to call us to give to God. It's my responsibility to call us to pray, God, teach me and lead me to give to you. Giving to God is God's will for us. Giving to God is best for us. Giving to God is a blessing for us. So don't tense up and tune me out or turn me off because I'm talking about our giving today. This is good stuff. All the truth of God's word is good stuff for you and for me. It is a blessing for me to be able to teach about giving to God. It's a blessing for us to be able to look into God's word and to learn about giving to God. It's exciting to teach about giving to God. And that's what we're going to do here for just a few moments. I want to just share a quick side note before we dive deeper into this discipline. And the side note is simply this. I firmly believe, as sure as I'm standing here, that we will catch up in our giving this year. 
I believe firmly that we will catch up in our giving this week. I believe firmly that we will catch up in our giving right here, right now in this room because I firmly believe God's brought what needs to be brought so that they've been given where it needs to be given right here in this room. I have zero doubts. The reason why I have no doubts is because God set our budget for this year. Therefore, it's his budget. And God meets his budget, which is our budget for this year. Now, God meets our budget, which is his budget, through the obedience of us, his people, to give the way he wants us to give. That's how he does it. Listen, God has given us 20 acres to use for his honor, glory, name, and fame. We join God by giving to God. God has incredible plans ahead for our church family on all these acres. We join God by giving to God. I believe God wants us to prepare and to start looking at building so that we can further the good news of the gospel here in our community and beyond, so that we can reach out to our community in the name of Jesus, with the love of Jesus, by the power of Jesus. We join God by giving to God. God is ready. That's never in question. God's not sweating. His plan is ready. It's on time. It's on point. What God is waiting for is for us to join him. And one of the ways that we need to join him is by our giving to him. And so I want to look at just a few points that we see in God's word, certainly not anywhere close to a complete study of stewardship in the word of God, but a few points that we can see in God's word about giving that I believe are important for us this morning to take with us and apply in our lives today and this week. These are points that God has brought each of us here on purpose this morning so that we can listen, so that we can learn, and so that we can obey, and so that we can share with all those God places around us. The first point is God is the ultimate giver. We start there because that's the right way to start. That's the right spot to start. God is the ultimate giver. Jesus told us, for God so loved the world that he, what? Gave. He gave. So we know God gives us physical life because he is our creator. God gives us spiritual life because he is our savior. There never has been anyone better at giving than God. There never will be anyone better at giving than God. James told us in James 1 verse 17, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. Does not change like shifting shadows. And so we know every good and perfect gift is from our good, good Father to you and to me. And so we understand God is the always and forever champion of giving. God is the ultimate giver. The second principle we know, the second truth that we embrace is God commands us to give. It's impossible for us to miss the emphasis and importance God has placed in his word on giving his way. Bible scholars tell us, among many other statistics, that the word give is used in the New Testament over 400 times in 375 verses. 
Scholars tell us that there's more scriptures in God's word from cover to cover about giving than about faith, and it's not even close. I think God obviously knows best. He knows us. He's created us, and so he knew that uh, he would fill his word with a whole lot more truth about giving than even about faith. Solomon told us in Proverbs 3 and verse 9, honor the Lord with your possessions and the first produce of your entire harvest. Now this verse 9 comes shortly after verses 5 and 6 where we all know that Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all your hearts and lean on your own understanding. Think about God in all your ways and he will make your path straight. One of the ways that we trust in the Lord with all our heart is by giving to the Lord with all our heart. And so we see here clearly, starting in the Old Testament, that God wants us to give him our first fruits, not our leftovers. The problem with leftovers is when we focus on giving to God and we focus on our leftovers for God, when we get to the end of the month, there's not much, if anything, left over. I like the bumper sticker that says, people say money talks, mine only says goodbye. And so we know and understand that principle And so God calls us, early on in his word, give him the first. Seek him first. He's first. Give him the first fruits. Jesus told us in Luke 6, verse 38, Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus here tells us that God watches our giving. And God responds to our giving. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, There your heart will be also. There's a few points that we can see and pull out of this passage from Jesus that he's sharing with us about giving. The first is giving matters to God. This makes sense when we understand and realize that God is the ultimate giver. makes sense that giving matters to God. All we are and all we have is from God. God is the owner. We are his stewards. We are his managers of all that he's given us, our time, our talents, but also our treasures. They're all from him. He gives us the ability, strength, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, the breath we breathe so that we can do all that we do, that provides us with what we have. And so giving matters to God. Jesus also told us here, a second point, is that we're all investors, We are all investors. We invest on earth or in heaven. We invest our way or God's way. We invest in what will not last or in what will last. Now, it's important to make this note. Jesus did not mean in this passage that we shouldn't invest here. It's wise to invest here. The better we are at investing what God has given to us, the more we have to give to God through his church. What Jesus was saying here is he's saying we need to invest first, we need to invest most, 
And we need to invest best in heaven, not on earth. He told us the reason why. He told us the reason why we need to invest in heaven first, best and most, not on earth. And the reason why is that heavenly investments are best because heavenly investments last. They last. And we invest in heaven on this earth by giving to God through his church. That's how we lay up treasures in heaven, is by giving to God through the church. One of the key ways we lay up treasures in heaven is by giving to God through the church. A third point that Jesus shared, and I think each of these points are highly important. This third one is especially important, is our giving reveals our heart. Our giving reveals our heart. We show God how much we love God by our giving to God. So where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So literally, each one of us as God's kids, we show God how much we love God by our giving to God. God does not command us to give because he needs our money. He's not coming up short anytime soon. God commands us to give because he wants our heart. He wants us. Therefore, it is unloving of us not to give to God his way. It's highly unloving of us not to give to God in the way he calls us to give to him. Fourth point is that God leads us to give. The good news for you and me is God always equips us to do what he calls us to do. He always does. All throughout his word, we know this. God leads us to give his way by his Holy Spirit in us. He teaches us and leads us to give to him by his Spirit in us. God's point to us is clear from the Old Testament to the New Testament, cover to cover, and his point is give. We imitate God by our giving to God. We actually imitate God, the ultimate giver, as we give to God through his church, as we give to God by giving to one another. The third key point that we see about giving is God's standard in giving is generosity. Stop and think about it. Our God is a generous God. He is generous to us in every way, every day. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God has generously given us every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Jesus generously gave his life for us on the cross so that we might receive forgiveness of sins and enter into a relationship with God. My God's grace through our faith and trust in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection for our salvation. Grace, think about this with me, grace, God's grace, God's favor poured in us and on us in Christ Jesus. God's grace is by definition generous, extravagant, outrageous. God's grace is full of generosity to you and me in every way, every day. The widow in the Gospels gave both her coins to the Lord because that was all she had to give. 
the young boy gave his lunch to Jesus. And that was all he had to give. The first church in Jerusalem, we see in the book of Acts, gave generously. They gave so much there were never any needs in the church. The Macedonian churches in the New Testament were known for their generous giving. The Macedonian churches, those churches in northern Greece that we see in God's Word, the churches of Thessalonica, Berea, and Philippi, in God's Word, they were championed. They were recognized for their generosity to God and to their brothers and sisters in Christ. As they gave to God, they were in that way giving to one another. And we see this. Paul talked about this. Paul shouted out the generosity of the Macedonian brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Those believers in Thessalonica, Bria, and Philippi. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 2, this is what Paul said. He said, During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now listen to that again. During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I know the cost of living is up. I know everything is much more expensive now. I know times are tough economically. I know the expenses keep increasing and increasing along with the cost of living. I know people are a little less likely, a little less willing to give because of the rising costs, because of what we see going on economically around us. I also know that we are heading into the Christmas season when the temptation increases to give less and less to God so that we can give more and more to our loved ones. I also know that the believers in the Macedonian churches were dealing with a severe trial, Paul says. What does that mean? It means they were being persecuted for their faith in Jesus. They were being beaten for the faith in Jesus. He also said they were living in extreme poverty. That word extreme poverty in the original language denotes begging. They were literally in a situation where they were begging for their needs. So they were dealing with a severe trial by the affliction of and included within that affliction was persecution. And they were living in extreme poverty. And I also know that God, through Paul, called them to give. Paul called them to give. And to give so that their brothers and sisters in the church in Jerusalem, who were even in a more desperate situation, could have their needs met. And I also continue in this chapter. It's an amazing chapter. And as you read, Paul said that their 
severe trial and their extreme poverty combined with the joy of the Lord and their trust in the Lord welled up in what? Rich generosity. Paul said they gave beyond what they were able. He said they gave completely beyond their ability. They blew Paul away with their generosity. Paul commends them in this passage. He said, I don't know how they did it. They gave far beyond what I could have ever expected, far beyond their ability because of what they were living in and what they were dealing with. And then he continued and he shared the secret. And he shared in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he said their secret to their giving was, he said they gave themselves first to God and then to us in keeping with God's will. They gave themselves first to God. Paul said they were excited. He said they begged him to take up an offering so that they could give to God and be a blessing to their brothers and sisters in Christ. They begged him. And so we are able to give generously to God as we give ourselves first to God. As we make sure and realize and maintain that God's on the throne of our lives, that he's first, not us, that his truth and his will is our desire, not our truth and our will. And we stop and when we think of all the ways that God has blessed us, it really doesn't make any sense for us not to give to him. Again, we give to God, we invest in heaven as we give through the local church. And the fourth principle that we see when it comes to giving is God will bless us as we give generously to him. God blesses our generosity. He will bless us as we give generously to him. We see this 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. Paul said the point is this, the person who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. When we give generously to God, we will reap generously from God. God loves to bless us and give generously to us as we walk in obedience to him. We see this in the New Testament. When we see it in the Old Testament, Malachi told us, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, declares the Lord, and see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing on you without measure. We see in this Old Testament book of Malachi that God literally challenges us to a giving contest. He challenges you and me to get into a giving contest with him. The only place in the word of God where he says, test me, try me, challenge me, take me on, is in the area of giving. It's in the area of giving. He said, test me, try me. God challenges us to a giving contest. And here's the good news about this giving contest. We can't win. We got no shot. Zero chance at getting the W. But that's okay. Because what we see in Scripture and what we've seen in our lives is as we give generously to God, he continues to give generously to us. And the more we give generously to God, the more he gives generously to us. Now, I'm not talking about a, that God's a heavenly ATM machine and we put a quarter in and he gives us $25,000 every time we put a quarter in. No, we give generously to God his way 
And then he generously blesses us with all kinds of blessings. Yes, those will include financial, but they extend far beyond financial blessings to so many other areas of our lives, which is why he calls us and he says, test me, try me. Get into a giving contest with me. Take that step of faith and see if I don't open up the floodgates and pour out a blessing without measure. You see, the point is this. It doesn't matter, because we see all examples in the Word of God, it doesn't matter what we have. It doesn't matter how much we have. It doesn't matter how little we have. What matters is God wants us to be generous with all we have. He wants us to be generous with all we have because all we have is from him. It's all from him. So what is our application? Well, it's real simple. I'm sure you could guess our application this morning. Give. It's give. When we grasp all the blessings that God has given to us, listen, we want to give to God. We can't wait to give to God. We can't wait. I would go so far as to say, if you are a brother or sister in Christ who is faithfully given generously to God, God's way in the scriptures, if that's you, there is nothing that I could ever say or do to keep you from continuing to give that way. There's no way. And if that's you, I know that those folks would sign up for giving sermons and giving series every week because they're a walk and talk and testimony to the giving contest. So God wants us all to give. So first, first step, if we're going to give, let's, let's work this out real quick. First step is we must first give ourselves to God. We must seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. When we talk about giving to God out of our treasures, first we got to start with giving ourselves to God. He needs to be on the throne of our lives once again. We need to place him first and most in our lives because when we give ourselves first to God, he motivates us to give to him. Second is if you're not giving, start giving. Start giving. Get in the game. The scriptures talk about giving the tithe, which is the tenth, the first 10% of all that God gives to us. We're to return to him. That's focused in on the Old Testament. The New Testament, Jesus affirms the tithe, but in the New Testament, we move into the area of grace giving. Grace giving, by definition, is over and above the tithe. We're not going to spend time talking about percents. We're not going to spend time, I'm not going to get caught up talking about 5%, 7%, 10%, 12%, 15%, 20%. What I'm going to say is this. If you are not giving, get in the game. Start giving to God. Start setting aside from the very beginning at the first of the month, at the first of the week. Start setting aside a percentage. You talk with God, he'll make it clear to you what that percent needs to be. You talk to him, he'll make it clear. All we know is the requirement is generosity. He'll make it clear to you. Start giving. Listen, if you are currently giving to God, keep giving to God. It's real simple. Keep giving. And then look and pray for ways to keep giving giving, but also to increase your giving to God. Ask God to show you ways. Ask God to show you areas where you can increase your giving to him. And in the third phase, we give ourselves to God. So when we start giving, we keep giving. And in third, rejoice. Rejoice, because as we give, God blesses us. As we give, God meets our needs. As we give, God grows us in our faith and trust in him. And as we give, God uses us to be a blessing 
to all those he places around us. God longs for us, his people, to trust him, to trust him in our giving to him. And it really is, as is the case in most areas of our walk with God, this area, it really truly gets down to a matter of faith. It just simply gets down to a matter of faith. Do we trust God? Do we believe in him? Do we believe he's the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills and all the hills that they roam on? Do we believe that God will meet all our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus? Do we believe God will provide for us? Do we believe that God calls us in his word to give? And if we do, we believe in God. He's asking us, he's calling us to take that step of faith and giving to him. Giving to the Lord is a way we express our thanks to God for all that he's given to us. And it's a way we express our trust in God. So we give, we say, God, You've called me to this giving contest, so I'm in. I'm in, let's go. And God, I'm gonna trust that though it doesn't work out on paper, as I look at this, there's no way it possibly can work. But God, I'm gonna trust that you, God, that you're gonna be faithful and that you're gonna do what you've told me you're gonna do in your word. You're gonna meet my needs. I'm gonna trust you. Let's focus in once again on listening to the Holy Spirit as he challenges, encourages, teaches, motivates us to give, to give to the Lord. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. This giving that we're talking about this morning, giving God's way of our treasures, it starts by giving ourselves first to the Lord. That starts by making sure that you receive God's gift of salvation by his grace to your faith in Jesus. Listen, if you're here this morning, you've yet to receive the gift of salvation that God so generously provided for you and his son, your savior, Jesus Christ, then that's your first step this morning. It's to give yourself to God, to surrender yourself to him, to receive his gift of salvation by repenting of your sins, by confessing them to God, by telling God, I believe that Jesus is my Savior, that I believe, God, that Jesus died on the cross in my place. He paid the price for my sin. He was buried in the tomb. And I believe, God, he rose again on the third day. And he's alive and he wants a relationship with me. And I believe, God, that Jesus is the only way into a relationship with you. And so, God, I ask Jesus to come into my life, to take over and take charge from this point forward. God hears our prayer. He knows our hearts and he calls us to salvation. And God is the God who saves. Our prayer partners are standing here at the front. They would love to pray with you, pray for you. They would love to introduce you to Jesus or celebrate with you this morning. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, then we would love to celebrate with you this morning. You just make your way to one of us and just say, I I trusted Jesus as my Savior this morning. And they will pray for you and celebrate with you. 
you got to bear a burden, a care, a concern, they would love to pray with you for you for that as well. The altar is open as it always is. Opportunity for us to come and pray as brothers in Christ, as sisters in Christ, encouraging one another, ministering to one another. This is God's time. His Holy Spirit is speaking. Let's respond in obedience to him. Let's stand and say yes to the Father this morning.